Gust Metal Podcast with Joe Calderon of Lightworker. Hosted by Dan Terry, presented by DiscussMetal.com. I have the pleasure this evening of sitting down with Joe Calderon of Lightworker. How's it going tonight, man? Good, good, good. Just trying to beat the heat. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder, man. We're going to be midsummer before we even know it, and we're all going to be hot and wishing it was cold again. <laughs> That's always how it is, man. It just goes back and forth, always wanting what you what you don't have. Absolutely. Well, you've got some really cool stuff going on right now, um, especially with the uh, Lightworker album is getting closer and closer, Fury by Failure. And, yeah. uh, dude, I mean, I think you guys uh, – I think you guys kind of knocked it out of the park with this one and you know as i've said before i i would tell you if i didn't like it i mean i probably wouldn't do it on the podcast for everybody to hear but like <laughs> i would definitely have said something and um you know i went into this record man uh not really knowing what to expect you know because we'd heard we'd heard empire and more recently we've heard um the willing martyr and you know so that kind of sets us up for an experience that is Similar to what we're going to get, but there's a lot of weird twists and turns that go on uh, with this record. So I guess what I wanted to get into was uh, was your guys' writing process for this for this album uh, being a debut and sounding notably different than your EP that you had put out before. Um, what was your what, what was your goal with this one? Um, yeah, but the, I would say like the goal was overall just heavier, man. Like you know, um, with the Willing Martyr being you know the second single we're just like we're just gonna bring a riff circus you know like somebody order a riff circus doesn't matter you're getting one anyway you know <laughs> <laughs> and um and empire i think is another good example of just this new um found heaviness that i i definitely wanted to explore a bit more um and beyond that um we had we had a lineup change so what ended up happening was our old guitarist, Nick, uh, who's still a, a really good friend of ours and, um, you know, is still, uh, like in some ways still affiliated with the band. Um, but he, he, uh, he stepped down and then Grayson took over and his style is, uh, you know, that, that's the cool thing about, I think, heavy music where it's just like, it's such a wide, you know, like palette of different sounds in terms just, just within heavy music, you know? And, um, so what ends up happening is, you know, Grayson is a little bit more influenced by groove and by, um, I would almost say kind of just, uh, he just is a big fan of impact. And then, whereas for me, I want to, you know, be completely demolished by double kick drums. And, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely, have lean towards the side of like, european kind of styled metal um and he's definitely uh and not to say that you know i mean i like a lot of newer bands too but um he's definitely the dude that like is really into more of the uh the the newer uh, you know subgenres like gent and all that stuff so you take uh those aspects for the heavy side of our band and you mix them together and then you get songs like empire and then you get songs like The Willing Martyr, and um, which are just two different sides of the heavy coin, so to speak. And then Melody, he's um, really into, 
you know, I would say more of the popular singer songwriter stuff, whereas I'm definitely more of like uh, punk tinged rock stuff. Uh, trying to think here, more like the Gaslight Anthem or Hot Water Music, you know, and he's more, you know, I would say maybe Pierce the Veil or Hands Like Houses and stuff like that. And then at the same time, I'm also really, really into post-rock. And uh, so we we decided to just, you know, maybe throw some of that ambience in there. Uh, and it's all stuff that I think we're looking forward to, you know, just diving further into in, in the future. Uh, we're, you know, we just wrapped this one up and we're already like stoked for the next one. Not to say that, you know, we're not stoked for fury by failure, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know, like we've been put in a, in a position where we're really excited about just the opportunities that we're getting. And I think we're just kind of like, okay, well, we're going to turn the riff faucet on soon. So, <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, to sign with Solid State, which, you know, if I'm correct, is basically a probably a childhood dream of yours um, to to be on that label and, and be be with those uh, other artists. You know, um, so and I apologize if, if this was covered in your As the Story Grows episode, but um, how did how did that come about with you guys getting getting uh, in touch with Solid State and and then putting out your record? Yeah, um, basically that that all began with uh, Daniel, who uh, Daniel Gailey, who's in Phineas and Fit for a King. He sparked off the conversation with our A and R rep, and then uh, some other dudes and some some of the other bands on the label. Uh, just kind of, I guess, you know, put in a good word. And then our manager, Chris, who plays in a band called hundred sons and another band called teeth. He, he, you know, we all just, you know, had conversations and, you know, it actually, you know, in hindsight, like happened pretty quickly and, you know, we, we couldn't be happier. It's, uh, we're really stoked. They're stoked you know, it's like Oprah, you know, you're stoked. We're stoked. Everybody's stoked. Everybody wins something, you know? So. Sure. You get a car, you get a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, you know, it, it, they, I think they understand what we're trying to do. And, um, yeah, again, just very, very pumped. Well, and something that you and I have talked about before, um, not on a podcast, but, um, you know, with with being signed to Solid State Record and then being, you know, y- you guys not being a being a Christian band, you know, what w- what was that like, or was there ever any expectation for you guys to fill that role, or was it just kind of something? Where, I know Solid State's not the label that it used to be, which is probably the right answer, uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know what 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 was that feeling like? Was there any any real pressure there, or is it just kind of like chill? It's chill for us. I mean, you know, it's we're not a Christian band. You know, I personally am a Christian. The other guys aren't, there's a mutual respect there. And, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's as simple as that, you know, it's, it's, you know, like we're not gonna, you know, we're not trying to preach or anything like that. I write about a variety of different subjects and overall honesty is just the objective and, you know, a quiet sense of hope just, uh, because the world's an ugly place and you know it i know for me with, with the solid state bands and whatnot they, they, they were always a source of encouragement and um we we hope to be that 
in in a sense, uh, but all together while still being very real about what goes on in this world. So yeah, that's what I would that's that's what I would say. Gotcha. Well, and you know, despite the record having kind of a, a hopeful vibe to it, um, there's also you know, one thing I've noticed. I, I was lucky enough to get to read through the lyrics a little bit today, and um, there's a lot of pain in there, man. Um, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of heavier heavier stuff i mean i it's it's very um metaphorical in a lot in a lot of sense but um i definitely get the vibe that there that there's a lot of pain there and a lot of passion and um i was just wondering if there was any lyrics that you wanted to highlight or um you know may, maybe whenever the record comes out people that you would want people to pay attention to um yeah i would definitely say the final song on the record pro- it's probably the most meaningful thing that i've ever written it's uh, something that I don't talk about often, um, unless it's like you know you you are like a really close you know relative or or, or friend. But uh, you know, just to put it out there, you know, it's about uh, finding out that my mom has cancer and um, kind of like dealing with the uncertainty and having that just throw me for a loop, not, you know, questioning everything, you know, questioning the purpose of everything. And I was overwhelmed and I didn't have answers. And, you know, and and that's, what's interesting is I think I, it was a happy accident, but I think I, you know, the, the, the lyrics and uh, the overall are very dark, but the, the last stanza of the record or the last thing that is, you know, uh, sung is still just that glimmer of hope. Um, and I guess that's just the way I am as dark as things get. And, you know, I, just look to hope. I look to to my loved ones and you know friendships and to to, to pull me through. And uh, you know, I, I guess another song that kind of comes to mind is you know the Willing Martyr, which is a banger. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's probably uh, my you. favorite. It's probably my favorite track on the album, um, oh, just because nice. I don't eat salad in real life, but I do enjoy some riff salad from time there to time. You go. <laughs> so it definitely uh it definitely beats me down in a good way yeah yeah no and see and and that's that's like because i am a hopeful person um and here's the thing i i'm hopeful i'm a pretty positive guy but i still i still get pissed off and there's i mean a lot going on in this world that you know warrants being pissed off you know um, whether that's healthy to be on that level at all times is <laughs> another question. But, um, you know, it, it, that song was the very first song I think I wrote lyrically where I actually told the dudes, I was like, just don't let me write anything positive. Like, I want this to be pissed, you know, like and there was times where, you know, I, I started writing there like you're starting to kind of lean into that hopeful aspect of things. And they just told me they were like. Dude, no. Remember what you said. You told us. You told us to keep you accountable. Keep it pissed, you know. And so, and I, I really. That's another aspect of the band that uh, I look forward to uh, to exploring in the future because I, I just like getting into those mindsets and and just kind of in a sense becoming the song. 
Um, and I, I, I feel like that was really for, for me personally, a good taste of that. Um, so yeah, I really tried to envelop each song and tried to figure out, you know, what is this song trying to convey? Uh, and, and sometimes I'm writing lyrics and I don't even know what they're even about until, um, I would say, you know, 90% of the way done. Yeah, it's interesting. Every song's different, but I, I really try to exist within those uh, riffs and melodies and, and drum beats and whatnot. So, so do you do you write lyrics first, or is it one of those like everybody you know everybody writes the riffs and the the song arrangement, and then you add lyrics to it, or is it kind of just dependent on the song itself? So. That's uh, I'm. That's what's interesting about us is like I, I actually do write a good chunk of the actual music portion too. Um, so what ends up happening is I, there's no real like one set way because what I'll do is I'll write a bunch of uh, you know stanzas, you know just words that you know of, of something I'm feeling. Sometimes when I'm like going through something or something catches my eye or I observe something, I just jot it down real quick. And just that stanza can completely uh, spark a new song, you know, uh, in terms of lyrics. Sometimes I, I do need to hear the the actual tunes, you know, and uh, one, one of those songs was actually uh, Remove the Earth, uh, which is, you know, the title, if, you know, you're a solid state kid like me is a nod to uh, the legendary Advent. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, I was wondering that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a nod to Advent. And uh, and another another cool thing is that that song actually has, uh, there's also a nod to C.S. Lewis in, in the lyrics in that, in that song as well. But, you know, I that song was very difficult. It's funny because the song is very heavy, but there is not much screaming on it um, in in the grand scheme of things, like the Willing Martyr or Empire, or some of the other tracks. Uh, it's it's largely melodic, and um, so and and trying to find ways to sing over you know a bunch of chugging parts was was definitely a challenge. It, it took me a moment. So yeah, and then and then there's songs like. Uh, Beyond the Pale, where the chorus just, just I knew it before we even had uh, the whole song like mapped out or finished. I knew what the chorus was melodically. So I, it's it's really give and take, you know. Well, and that's interesting that you bring that up about singing over chuggy parts. You know, when we were when when you and I were talking last week about uh, we were talking about uh, the song Ten Eighteen and how you know that song is. Um, you, you know, you you were like, oh, oh, so you you already heard a ballad, and I was like, uh, I wouldn't call it a ballad uh, because <laughs> it is still just as heavy as the preceding two tracks. However, you're singing over it through the through the majority of it. Um, I love the guitar solo at the end of it, uh, but like, it's it's one of those like situations where it's got to be really hard to do that, you know, like because as a as a hardcore singer uh, myself or a retired hardcore singer rather. Um, you know, I, I never could figure out like, how do I be melodic over stuff that's not necessarily 
meant to be melodic. I mean, the the riffs are melodic, but like that song really stood out to me as you know, kind of the light worker sound. You know, like in that, like we're gonna we're gonna play heavy riffs, and like yeah, it's not brutal riffs. You know, uh, like the Willing Martyr. It's it's just it's heavy and melodic, and you were able to just kind of carry yourself, your voice, your melodic voice over over all those riffs and stuff. I mean, was that a, uh, was that kind of like a challenge for you in writing that song or is that just kind of business as usual for you guys? Um, so for that song, I, okay. So he, I'll, I'll give, I'll give you an interesting tidbit. I, you know, during the, the, the recording of this album, not the writing, the recording of this album, I realized that my screaming technique was not going to be sustainable for, you know, touring for just uh back to back to back shows, you know. So I actually had to relearn how to scream uh to, like within days. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it was, it was a, it was an interesting process. And so, and that's another thing I look forward to, I guess, on the next record, because I've kind of refined it and it's gotten even better than what you hear, you know, at least in my opinion, uh, on, on the actual record. Uh, but you know, for, for so I guess singing over heavy riffs is, that's just something that I'm not going to say it comes naturally, naturally to me, but you know, as a fan of bands like, you know, I would say like Seosin, which they did have some like pretty sick riffs and they were pretty much a, a, a metal band, but with, you know, like a, just a melodic vocalist singing over like 90% of it, if not more. Um, and I think I kind of, you know, took that as, you know, even though my voice sounds nothing like Cove or Anthony Green, you know, I kind of took that in consideration. You know, I'm also a big, you know, like, I really like Iron Maiden, you know, metal was founded over, you know, like there was no screaming really back then. So I, I think just to me also, I grew up listening to a ton of classical music, huge classical music nerd when I was a kid. So I think that kind of helped me kind of find the melodies within the, the, you know, aggressive riffs and I'm able to kind of just sing over them. Um, but then there are songs like The Willing Martyr or Empire uh, or another song on the record called Words Dissolve where I, you know, the dudes are like, you're just going to have to scream over this part. It just, you know, it just makes more sense. And I did. And um, we're, we're happy with the results. Uh, I remember based on one conversation that you and I had, you said there are some parts where you sing over like these heavier moments that I was surprised that you sang over. And um, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, that's interesting. Like that, that, that observation, because it, it literally comes down to what feels right and what's best for the song. Um, and, uh, also what's interesting, you know, uh, cause we're all, we're all fans of, you know, like popular music, but we also, as musicians, we like to be challenged. So, it's the never ending, you know, uh, journey of trying to find the perfect balance between, um, I guess kind of art and, and also at the same time trying to make it. So it's like trying to find the right word here, but it's just, like I said, we're big suckers for, for melody. So like we want that brutality, but we also want to be able to sing over it too. So, 
it's you know we're always we're always kind of like chasing that although we have been in discussions light discussions very very light discussions as to like you know possibly doing something with no singing at all in the future so um you know whether that be for a song or something who knows but um there's a lot of tor- territory to be explored what has been your reaction you know to to the singles and how they've been received do you feel that they've been well received by the audience from what i can see yes and it's completely overwhelming in the best way i i i still feel like i need to pinch myself <laughs> i'm just i just feel very grateful i feel very humbled the the response has been I, it just it's been fantastic and i couldn't ask for you know for more you know, like it, I, I just, that's what I would say. I mean, you know, and of course there's always going to be, you know, a couple people here and there that are just not into it. I mean, and that's fine. You know, um, I'd rather they be honest. And, uh, but I mean, from what I've seen, it seems like people are stoked. So, yeah. Totally. I mean, and you know, th- there is a lot of credence to that. And it's something that I have to remind myself sometimes too, that, negative feedback is sometimes the best feedback that you can get. Um, not that you guys have had a lot, you know, and that, that can be hard because we we grow up in a society where everybody's like, man, you know, who, you know, whatever, you know, like who, who cares if, if people don't like it or whatever, but like sometimes, you know, and again, we're talking about like two people out of like thousands. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's funny whenever you, whenever you get that negative feedback and it's cool that you're, uh, that you're listening to it, you know, that's, that's, that's really cool. But, um, you know, with, with this record, you know, I, I have to address the elephant in the room. Um, you know, how ha- has it been difficult for you not being able to kind of get out and, and, and play these songs out, you know, especially with the record dropping when it does. And we don't really know if, if venues are going to be receptive to bands coming and playing, uh, anytime this year. So what, what has that process been like for you guys as far as dealing with it? Um, yeah, it's, it's been a bummer, but we also, um, are being proactive about that, the, the situation. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have things in the works to try to bring, you know, our music to people, um, in some sort of life capacity. And, um, that's something that we're working diligently on. And, uh, we're hoping that next year we get to hit the road and, perform these songs and you know like just get to hang out with people that's uh, our band is uh we're all very like laid back dudes and we love hanging out we love you know just hanging out and just talking nerding out on whatever you know and uh you know music or any any other you know things that you know we might be into or other people are into and i think that's that sense of camaraderie because that's the thing heavy music is meant to be played live right heavy music is uh, you know you look at you know i mean shoot you look at iron maiden playing live and you see bruce dickinson running all over the place and waving that you know the the banner and, and whatnot and it's it's there's intensity there's energy and um and all the way down to like you know to the recent defunct uh, legends dillinger escape plan you know uh the it's supposed to be, you know, spontaneous. And that's something that we miss. 
you know, that's something that, and we got a taste of it because we played a show right, right. Like I think about a week or two before everything started shutting down, at least here in California. And, um, you know, being with friends and, and new faces and and whatnot, it it was just such a, uh, you know, it was right before everything was just kind of taken away from everybody. And it was probably one of the best feelings. Cause I remember, you know, uh, me and the guys were, were standing outside of the venue um, in between set changes. We had already played our set and we were just discussing like the future and whatnot only to, you know, <laughs> for things just to, you know, go, go under complete lockdown. So. Yeah. Coming to a grinding halt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but well, yeah, it is what it is. You've talked a lot about Iron Maiden, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, what's your, uh, what's your favorite Iron Maiden album? Shoot. Um, there's only like 20 of them to pick from, you know, shouldn't be too difficult. Well, yeah. and then there's the <laughs> different vocalist situation. Um, I, I'd probably have to go with the classic, you know, um, well, it's probably, probably either going to be power slave or it's going to be, uh, uh, number of the beast. So, um, it's just, uh, and, and it's, you know, what's funny is that I think their drummer is actually a Christian, which is kind of cool. Like, uh, yeah. Nico McBrain. Mm-hmm. so uh so that's pretty cool so you know i don't know they're just a lot of fun man you know just just fun fun band so absolutely man i i love iron maiden like and it's it's hard because like i'm supposed to only care about like brutal stuff or whatever but like whatever man <laughs> i listen to sticks like i don't care but like <laughs> um yeah and to to answer to answer your answer uh power slave is the correct answer uh a hundred percent um yeah i just oh my goodness ace as high is like probably the best album opener i've ever heard on a record but uh to to get back uh to get back to lightworker you know you say that you guys are you know you you have this record you have it done and i would assume it's it's kind of the classic band feeling of you you play your songs until you hate them and then you record them and then you have to then you have to play them out um, and you're talking about new stuff on the horizon. So are you, are you talking like, are you still in the same mindset as far as heavier? Huh? That's a good question. I mean, you know, I think, I think you would get a different answer from, you know, like the different primary songwriters. Sure. Well, sure. In this case, it would just, it's, that'd be me and Grayson. So, um, I, I'm kind of like, you know, more, you know, in terms of heaviness, but at the same time, I mean, my favorite band of all time is uh, Jimmy Eat World. So, I mean, it, I'm really—it's it, just a mood thing for me. And um, you know, there there are some you know loose concepts and stuff like that. We haven't like actively begun writing. I don't think we will for quite some time. Uh, but um, I would say I would say that's a loose yes, heavier uh, in in some respect. <laughs> so I want to rewind the clock a little bit you know, um, and, and focus this interview less on the band and more on you, you know, you are so prolific in the, <laughs> as weird as it is to say in the, in the, fa- in a lot of the Facebook groups that I frequent, you know, uh, being, being the face down records, uh, one of the note, most notable ones is the face on records and the, um, um, the, my epic, uh, the, my epic group. And, you know, you've always been kind of a pillar of positivity and promoting those bands, um, and and kind of getting the word out on that stuff. You know, what what I get, what was your inspiration? I guess as far as 
um, wanting to wanting to kind of be a voice for uh, for some of these bands and some of these labels. I would say uh, the only reason why I say um is because I know exactly like the answer, but I'm just trying to filter it in my brain because I feel like there's a lot to say about it. But I think it ultimately comes down to I think music is something that should be valued, and it you know it's something I value a lot and. I think that we live in a world where a bunch of, you know, nonsense is always consistently being shoved in front of our eyes and down our throats. And, you know, I I feel like these bands have something legitimate to say, you know, and it's, you know, we'll give you food for thought. We'll give you, um, you know, just a different perspective on different aspects of life. And, That's why I do it. I mean, because the way I look at it is, you know, they work so hard on writing songs and and then recording them and then releasing them. And then to, to, you know, uh, a model where, you know, people can just essentially just take the songs for free and um, which is fine. I I want everybody to hear, you know, songs. I I mean, it's it's really cool that, you know if somebody wants a list of recommendations for me, I can just make a playlist on Apple music or Spotify or even YouTube and I can just send it to them, you know? Sure. But, uh, sustainability is an issue. And especially during these COVID times, I think it's something that, you know, it, it, to me, in my mind, it's time to give back, you know, like they, they write the soundtracks to our lives, to the moments that we struggle to the moments of, of sheer joy, happiness, um, you know, without it, I mean, we would be, you know, stuck with silence or just, you know, you know, just white noise. And so, uh, it's, uh, there, there's, I can't even begin like, for example, like the Jimmy Eat world discography, just completely every, every album has like their select moment in time for me. And what's interesting, though, is I can go back and listen to those records. And not only does it take me back to that time, but sometimes and more often than not, I build new memories uh, by by, you know, putting them on repeat and just listening to them over and over again. And, um, you know, and which brings me to my my next thing, you know, a a lot of I, I see a lot of people are like, oh, you know, this band is breaking up. I wish they would do a last tour. And, um, for me, I'm always like, I wish they would do like a last EP because which one lasts longer? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. In in an age where, you know, everybody has their smartphones filming everything, you know, and and a decent quality too. A lot of the time, uh, you can watch live footage anytime, but, uh, with a farewell EP, it's like, well, that band will, you know, only that band can sound like that band you know? And so I'd rather have like a parting legacy that just, it has a lot of replay value, um, and, uh, just new content, so to speak. And something that, you know, kind of seals the deal with that relationship and legacy for that, you know, band. No, that's cool. And I think that one of the things the bands lack these days is advocates, you know, um, having an advocate that believes in what they're doing, and we'll, we'll actively, you know, I think we used to call it a street team, 
You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's more than that, especially especially with some of the bands uh, that we're talking about, you know, especially like a band like My Epic, where there's just so many layers to what they do. Yeah. You know, it's it, it. I feel like for the average listener, they might they might hear it and be like, "Oh, well, this this sounds good to my ears," but maybe they're not getting the full effect. And I think that I think that's what makes you know these groups really effective is that you can have those, especially that group at the My Epic. I'm I'm actually really impressed with that group because um, you guys don't just talk about the band. You know, like it's 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 so much more than that it's it's it, you guys get really really deep into a lot of subjects and um and it's always an entertaining read uh, i'll admit i'm more of a lurker uh than a uh <laughs> than a poster uh just because like i mean i do this podcast but for the to be honest uh i don't always have a lot to say you know <laughs> in 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 regards to all that. but it but a lot of the a lot of the conversations that take place there and also even in the facetown group are always kind of food for thought you know, for me. And, um, and so they, they definitely serve a purpose, uh, totally. But, uh, I want to rewind the clock a little bit more and, sure. um, kind of, kind of get into what got you. I don't want to ask Brian's question, which is, you know, what got you into music, but what, uh, what got you into, into this kind of music? Um, especially, you know, with the heavier hardcore stuff, but, you know, also obviously, you know, we we leave open doors for bands like Jimmy Eat World and Further Seems Forever, and you know bands like that. Um, sure, sure. You know what, what got you into this into this scene into this type of stuff? The Solid States, the Face Downs, you know, band, uh, labels like that. Well, it, I'd be um, lying if it it didn't. You know, if it weren't for one band that wasn't on either of those labels, and that would be Finch. Um, they were. Oh the man, I that, love Finch. Yeah, and they, I feel like, I talk about a band that is notoriously underrated for, I mean, I think, uh, this is the way I kind of look at it, I feel like there was a lot of bands that paved the way for Finch, and Finch was a lot of pop punk stuff mixed with, you know, like the post hardcore, maybe a dab of screamo here and there. They, They bridged so many different styles of music. And it ended up being very palatable and very good. And, you know, that just made people interested in heavy music because, you know, you had their popular songs and then you had some of the more chaotic songs that, you know, people would skip over and then, but sometimes they'll just let the CD play, you know, sure. uh, back when people listen to CDs. And um, I still listen to CDs. Anytime a vinyl go. price goes over $30, I'm like, the CD's okay. <laughs> right and so you know I, I mean and then you know it'll be you know like a song you know from from what it is to burn like it, you know it'll be stay with me followed by project mayhem which is you know like a, a love pop song basically pop oh punk my song. oh my god dude project mayhem with daryl palumbo from glassjaw exactly and then so and it's just and it's just chaos and you know and i think that started to kind of you know, I, I before, you know, when I first got it, you know, I was younger, so I, I didn't really understand it, but I was definitely drawn to it. And I think the more and then there was, you know, the second half of the record definitely had some heavier tracks, you know, and um, I think that kind of made me that that primed me for for the other stuff. And which so what like the bands that made me take like the complete plunge 
uh, I would separate it into two di- different categories for, um, I, you know, I'm not really, oh man, this is, I'm going to get flack for this. I'm not huge into hardcore. <laughs> oh no. But, I'm going to end this. I got to go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, but I do have like select, like a select handful of bands that I absolutely do love. Um, And so, and then usually the hardcore bands I like tend to have a little bit more of a, you know, I guess a progressive side or just melodic thing going on, which is, you know, so beloved was, was huge. Oh yeah. And then uh, I saw this tour where it was, so check this out. This is back when, you know, like the scene was so tight knit that lineups were, you know, varied and it, it wasn't so much about, you know, like the breakdowns or whatever. It was, it was just like, Hey, is this good? Cool. Let's go on tour. And I saw the lineup was armor for sleep opening <laughs> and followed by uh beloved. Oh no, no, it was beloved. Then armor for sleep followed. That by sounds right. Zeo. Yeah. Yeah, followed by Zayo. Then with you know headlining was was further seems forever with Jason Gleason. Uh, oh man, that's awesome! You're showing your age, by the way. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it's all good. It's all good, man. <laughs> yeah. I got I got gray hair too. It's fine. You know, it's uh, it, actually you know it's funny. I I don't have a single gray hair. I'm probably like totally jinxing myself now. But like some of the younger dudes in the band do. So. <laughs> Well, now tomorrow but, morning you're going to wake up and you're going to find a single gray hair and you're going to rip it out. And you're going to be like, see, I don't have a problem. And then like two days later, two more are going to pop up. That's how it happened to me, man. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I got to stay stress-free by playing all this angsty, heavy music, you know? Yeah, that, so, that, that's a solid plan. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it was it was just kind of like that, that tour. And, um, you know, I was already a fan of Zayo, so that was more like the heavier stuff but beloved got me more into the hardcore stuff which you know then led to in terms of hardcore stuff like led me to like strong arm and um you know some of some of the other stuff like that but i i was definitely leaning more towards you know all hail the mighty riff you know sure so i got into you know uh, kind of more of the metalcore stuff so like uh early haste of the day was I, I would say the first two like solid state record releases that I bought officially were uh, Zayo's Legendary and then Haste the Day's Burning Bridges. I think within weeks of each other, um, and the, yeah, I just I just didn't look back after that. So this is kind of off topic, but do you, does it bother you? It bothers me that that vocal style is kind of becoming a lost art. You know, like the Jimmy Ryan, Dan Wyant, you know. Uh, growly snarl vocal. Like I feel like nobody does that anymore, and it it bums me out, man. Oh, you're talking about like the almost like the black metalish kind of vocal yeah, thing? like like that serpentine serpentine type of type of vocal. Um, it it totally bums me out that I don't hear. I only hear it from Jimmy Ryan and Dan Wyatt. I don't hear it from anybody else anymore. Huh. I mean, I, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, the, this band is oh Josh sweet, Ashworth, but- yeah. Yeah, and then uh, but the other person that I was going to say was uh, Peter. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Espo? Peter from Extol. Yeah, yeah, like it, yeah, exactly. Peter from Extol. Um, he he kind of has that thing going. Um, but yeah, no, I mean I agree because uh, it, it was. I, I think you kind of find it more in the. I, I guess this is kind of showing how like obscure my music tastes. Well, not obscure, but you know. 
different my music tastes, especially from the rest of the guys in my band. But you can find some of that kind of stuff, like in in some of the, like the black metal realm, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But 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 in terms of like you know metal core or whatever, it's uh, yeah, I would say it's definitely not as prevalent. Um, and uh, I I think that vocal style. It's funny because when I first started screaming a long time ago, um, I it was kind of a little bit like that. But it just was not, I, I don't know, it was weird. Like, when I was younger, yeah, I could do that, you know, hours on end. And then as I got older, I, I started getting into, like, more, like, blows and stuff like that. And that's all I practiced. And I pretty much lost all my high screaming abilities. And then with my new screaming technique, I was able to bring back the high, my highs. But they don't sound like they did back then. So No, but it, it works out because it sounds unique. I mean, I think I think when we all started screaming, at least... At the very least, the two guys talking on this call right now, you know, um, we all wanted to be Zayo, you know, yeah. when we started, because when we heard it, it was the coolest thing we'd ever heard in our lives, you know, like it was. Well, that was the thing, like with Zayo, I mean, that was what was pretty gnarly about them was they, I remember being a kid and just being intimidated. And that's kind of what was, but to me, like, I don't know, maybe because I'm just a messed up person, but that's kind of what drew me in because I was like, ooh, this is kind of creepy, you know? Oh, yeah, dude, and, same, yeah. And, you know, it was just, and especially, you know, growing up the way I did, you know, like, it was just like, that was not, you know, uh, that that was not something that my mom was super stoked about when I got into metal, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an instant parent turnoff, yeah, like, parents are like oh my god i need to send my kid to reform school like this yeah. is this is this is not okay by any stretch of the imagination yeah yeah and now and now your son's in a metal band so i mean that's it's, what it's, you get yeah yeah exactly so i mean it's yeah i i, I think um i'm trying to think I, I don't know man i i think well the person that i tried to learn screaming to was actually chino moreno from deftones i i remember putting on um white pony and just trying to scream you know to elite and oh uh, yeah that's that's a tough one yeah <laughs> yeah so um that 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 and um you know i think and then yeah D dan was definitely i don't know dan was on another level though like i'm trying to think back to then and i don't think i ever tried to even do that per se uh just because I was like, that dude is just gnarly, you know? And he still is, you know? He still is. Same with Jimmy. Uh, and uh, I think, I mean, whenever we get that Trenches record, um, <laughs> it'll be good to hear his his unique uh, screech again. So, Yeah, Joe and I just did a review for the, uh, the first Trenches record on our Patreon uh, for discography discussion. And I remember him being like, well, it's like Derosis and Zayo had a baby. You know, um, and it's, it's so, it's so just, yeah, like you said, it's, it's gnarly. It's, it's what got me into more extreme music and like, it just, I don't know, that vocal style can't be denied, but moving on to what you said earlier about like when you recorded the album, you had to re, you had to learn how to scream again. Um, what does that take? You know, I know when I was little, when I was younger and I was trying to scream, I used to, this is really dumb, but I used to like sleep with bricks on my chest 
<laughs> like to try to <laughs> to try to try to get you know that that sort of like chest voice, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and then add a little bit of distortion with the throat. But um, did you like? Were you happy with? I, I, obviously, you must have been happy with how it turned out because um, you've got kind of that that old school almost like face down scream but you're mixing it with clean vocals like what what was that like for you as far as being able to balance the two because i was never able to i had to i had to choose whether i was going to be a singer or a screamer and i ultimately chose screamer i think well the thing was that i grew up singing in choirs and stuff like that so that my my background is in melody you know and so i i think for me I, I, I was just determined to learn how to scream just because I don't know why I, I, you know, I'm trying to think back to when, you know, I was in high school and trying to mimic stuff. And I think I just wanted to be able to do it just because I thought it was so cool, you know, and uh, in terms of like relearning how to to do it, I mean, I think I've always become the singer of a band. Um, I've never like fronted a band really before, but like I was always like the melodic singer and slash backing screamer. And I usually played bass. Um, And so I was always, you know, that, that dude who would, you know, just kind of add to, you know, the variety for the band, you know, or I would, in my last band, we had like it, we almost had like a receiving end of sirens thing going on where we had three vocalists and, uh, and, uh, two of us could scream. So, um, that's what we did, you know? Uh, and I, I think it just something that I've been doing it for so long now that it's just kind of second nature. Uh, and I just want to, uh, I, and especially now that I've learned this new technique, I just want to continue to refine it and, uh, hopefully just do gnarlier stuff, you know, just like, <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Um, and just continue working towards my craft, whether it be screaming or singing. No, that's cool. And one of the things that, that really stood out to me with this record was it just sounds fresh to me, which mm-hmm. is weird because like, I mean, I, I routinely, uh, on my other show, discography discussion, I, I tend to, more or less shit on bands for being too clean. (laughs) And I remember, I remember hearing empire and being like, well, it's super clean. Like they, you know, somebody, somebody spent some money, either you or Brandon evil spent some money, uh, to make (laughs) this record sound as good as it does. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, it seems like you guys had a really good sense of balancing the heavy parts with the melodic, but it not having to compromise anything. So like the, the melodic sections are very much that, you know, um, if you took all the screaming out of a song and put it on radio rock, people would dig it. Uh, but you guys have the screaming, you have the breakdowns, uh, but you're able to keep that like super brutal in kind of the solid state tradition, <laughs> you know, of, of, yeah. of bands that are going to be a little heavy enough to where your parents aren't going to totally dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that kind of a challenge to pull that out? Because I know a lot of bands will will say like, "Oh yeah, our record it's super well produced," but at the same time, you know that 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 clean production kind of takes away from the heaviness. And you guys were able to kind of um, kind of bridge that gap where you know not only do you have heavy parts 
and melodic parts, but they blend together, but not so much that either side takes precedence. Yeah, I think that's um, just many years of trying to write and refine. And uh, thank you, first, you know, first off, before I continue, like, thank you so much. That means a lot. Uh, I think the way Grayson and I write, we're, we're very calculated dudes, especially Grayson. And uh, I, we, we kind of keep each other in check where we're just kind of like, hey, this part, like this song is starting to, you know, there's, there are times where we're just like, we just want to write a complete scorcher, you know? And then that's the, that's the goal. That's what we're going to do. And then there's times where we don't know where a song's going to end up. And, um, we just really do what, I mean, no matter what, we always do what feels right. But sometimes when we don't know where the song is headed, we kind of let the song kind of guide it, you know? Um, and, I'd say, I, I don't know, man. I, I think overall, we just like what we like, you know, like we love, I mean, I love the 1975 and I love singing like a good hook, but at the same time, I want to, you know, I want double bass pummeling my skull, you know, <laughs> when I have my headphones on. Sure. And, uh, you know, like, like for example, I would say that my favorite current metalcore band right now is a band from uh, uh, Glasgow, Scotland called Bleed From Within. Okay, and yeah. They're, I mean, I, I feel like they're doing metalcore the way that it should be done, and in my opinion. Um, like, they're just writing awesome riffs. They have groove, but at the same time, they do have the pummeling, uh, you know, double bass parts, and they use melody, but very tastefully. And it's just, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just something that, you know, so it's like, how, well, how do we get Jimmy Eat world into a metal song? You know what I mean? How do we, <laughs> yeah. You know, like how do we get, you know, uh, Caspian into a metal song? Um, and I think, you know, especially once we move forward too, I think that's something that we're going to try to explore more of, um, where, you know, how do we fit this without it sounding like unnatural or, or, or cheesy, you know? Um, and here's the thing, we're not even trying to reinvent the wheel or whatever. We just want to write music that we think is good, you know, and that we have fun playing because here's the thing at the end of the night, at the end of the day, like we're going to be the ones playing it at night, you know, and we want to have fun. And a lot of times what ends up happening is, if we're having fun, then the crowd is having fun. And then we feed off of each other and then everybody's one big, happy COVID free family. Yeah, sure. So I think, um, it's just, there, you know, everything serves a purpose. Um, and we, and there's sometimes where, you know, we'll throw in a weird discorded thing just cause it sounds cool, you know? And then, you know, the next moment will be, you know, like, a, uh, you know, catchy melodic part. So uh, it's really just, I don't know. I think it just uh, in certain ways, it's second nature. And in certain ways, it's Grayson and I always continually pushing each other to, you know, go further and push the boundaries. And uh, yeah, that's sorry. That was like a really long winded answer. But no, it's all good, man. No worries. Our, our listeners are used to like a super long podcast, so it's all good. 
people right. actually people actually bitch at me whenever it's not long enough. So oh, there you go. <laughs> so so it's perfect. So I guess in short, like there's no real like rhyme or reason. We just, I mean, we 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 will have a goal, and however we execute it is, uh, you know, is to be de- determined. We don't we don't know. Um, and uh, and and here's the thing. Also, it's also a lot of compromise too, because there's aspects of heavy music that Grayson doesn't like, and vice versa. And same with the more melodic parts, you know. So, uh, there are some parts where I'm just kind of like, all right, that's not my favorite part, but I like it, you know, and same for Grayson. And, uh, we just, I think that's also kind of what, you know, helps Lightworker have its sound because it's, it's two dudes who like generally the same style of music, but interpret it very differently. Well, and I want to take this time too to, um, kind of give you the floor as far as uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take a i'm gonna take a page from the labeled podcast book and ask you what your favorite solid state records release is out of their catalog as as well as some albums that you think that don't have to be solid state uh that you think people should check out right now okay um like so my all-time favorite for solid state first yeah, yeah. Favorite from yeah, Solid okay, State first. Or Tooth and Nail. It's fine. Okay. Um man, that that is so hard. But at the same time, it's kind of not. It's like and picking a favorite kid. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean a lot of I mean, the way I connect with music is definitely on a very cognitive and emotional level. So if if I, I can't be one of those guys who just listens to something and it's just like, you know, I guess this is objective objectively sick, you know, like to me, I'm just, you know, I'm the kind of person who's like, well, what does it mean? You know, <laughs> look, looking into the deeper meanings and trying to find the subtleties and, and whatnot. But uh, so that's kind of what makes it hard, but also easy at the same time. And I, I would have to say, son, I loved you at your darkest by. A city's burn, which I think is a pretty common answer for for uh, dudes uh, that grew up in the scene when I did, uh, you know, or not just dudes, but everybody, you know. Um, and because the thing was that among the sea of breakdowns and uh, you know sweep sweeping guitars, Cody brought and the band brought something different. I mean, there, there were kind of breakdowns, but not there, there were, you know, definitely awesome guitar, you know, parts, but they weren't necessarily sweeping. He was, he would do like this kind of like, I I don't know. It it was very signature to him where it was very like these wavy kind of, um, uh, guitar, uh, lead guitar parts and, uh, lyrically just completely unflinching and honest. And that's something I can identify with. And the fact that I, you know, in my own ways, went through a lot of the same things that those lyrics talk about. And those are also things that I discuss in Lightworker lyrics, I think, are just it was very cathartic and and also therapeutic for me. Um, And then beyond that, I would say, like, records you got to listen to right now. uh, I would I would say On Circles by Caspian. Um, let's see here. Oh, season or a C by, um, by old solar, uh, the new bleed from within record called fracture. Um, the new 1975 record I really like and, uh, our label mates, uh, well, tooth and 
tooth and nail slash solid state, but there's, I guess there's still technically our label made side, the new tiger wine record. Oh Ooh. my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, and then, uh, I would say, uh, self-titled by Extol. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's just, uh, I mean, everybody needs to listen to Extol. I don't care. Like if you're a fan of heavy music, listen to Extol. Um, there's something to be taken away from it. Um, whether you're a hardcore kid, a metal kid, metalcore kid, a gent kid, there is something like if, if you, especially if you, you lean towards the more of the metal realm, I mean, some, some, like at least one dude in a band that you like, that's really popular right now, loves X toll and they likely ripped something off from them. So <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. So I've got um, that on vinyl somewhere behind me. Yep. Yep, there you go. And, um, oh, I want to also give a big shout-out to uh, my buddies CJ and Wilson from A Thousand Arms. They run, a, uh, like, a really small label that puts out just great post-rock, post-metal stuff. And, um, you know, that's what um, Old Solar is on and uh, other awesome bands like Pillars. And not, not like the... Uh, the Christian, you know, like new metal band, but like pillars, they're, they're like, a. Really they they were only new metal for one album. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they, yeah. And then, but, but pillars like plural, like they, they, they're, they're, they have like some really cool introspective stuff, but at the same time writing some really, I think they're like one of the first like post rock bands that I've heard use like double kick but like in a unique way, because usually, you know, with post rock, it's like crescendos and all that stuff. And but this was like like on the second track of their their uh, new album called uh, I think it's Cavum. It just it's I just didn't expect it because usually, you know, like uh, post rock and post metal can be heavy, but it's it's not like a burst. Like it, it was not like a straight up like, you know, like crazy burst. But I mean, just for for, for the genre, it's just kind of like it, it was a little you know, uh, it, it was surprising and it was really cool. And they, when they do heavy stuff, they, they're bringing it. And, uh, so, but yeah, those are the records. Yeah. That's a lot of records. I, but those are the ones that I'm like completely in love with right now and, or have always been in love with. Oh, one last one. I promise. Uh, alive or just breathing by kill switch engage. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a staple for all of us. I mean, Without that record, we wouldn't even have records like Fury by Failure. Right, exactly. I mean, come I mean, on. No, dude, I mean, that record, I mean, you even talk to, you know, different A&R reps from, from back then or, or just even, you know, music historians that, you know, are in with, with, you know, the heavy music crowd and whatnot. And everybody agrees that, you know, just from a critic standpoint, from a historical standpoint, that music changed the face. I mean, that, that album, Alive or Just Breathing, changed the face of metal. It, it just did. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and uh, you know, you don't got to like it, but you got to respect it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, you know, speaking of records, you know, you, you have been a very um, outspoken vinyl supporter um, for as long as I've known you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what, what is it about vinyl, I guess, that, that really gets your engine going? Oof. A record that I really, like, stoked on? 
No, I mean, just, just vinyl in general. You know, like, what is it about vinyl that makes it more appealing to you as a listener than, you know, like a CD or... A, yeah, I'll throw it out of uh, there, even a cassette. Okay. Um, well, I, I think just the overall uh, just listening experience, like, just having to... We live in such a... keep saying this, but it's true. We live in such a busy world, and, you know, just having to... There's something devastatingly beautiful about the fact that you know it, you have a needle literally like dragging chunks of wax off of you know this disc in order to make this beautiful sound but each time you play it just it just wears down just a little bit and so with with that knowledge it's like well you better listen up you know you know, it's, it's, you, you know, you better pay attention because it's never going to sound as good as it did the last time. And, um, especially depending on the kind of record player you have, but, um, but, uh, you know, and that was totally nerdy of me to say, but, oh, well, um, but, uh, you know, I, I would say just that, that overall experience, I love having to read the lyrics and um i mean e- e- even so much that you know like for 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 lightworker the fury by failure uh vinyl actually comes with extended liner notes for people for the music fan for for people that want to actually sink into the music and um each song has like uh, a brief you know summary written by me and grayson that kind of gives you a little bit of an outline as to what the song is about or maybe some trivia or a fun fact or or you know sometimes you know it goes into what the lyrics are about and just something to you know of of substance because the way I look at it is if you're willing to invest into vinyl then you're more than likely going to want to know like what the song's about and you're probably going to read the lyrics and uh you know for, for for us as music fans you know if somebody wants to come up to us and ask us questions and spark a conversation based off of what we wrote in the extended liner notes, you know, great. That's part of the reason why we did it, you know, and that way we can, you know, nerd out on another stuff beyond that, you know, not, not just lightworker stuff, but it's just like, Hey, you know, on this part, you know, you wrote that this was influenced by, you know, C.S. Lewis, like, what are your thoughts on him? You know what I mean? And then automatically you make a new friend and the music community is, um, that's what it's about, you know, and, uh, that's, what's unfortunate about this whole COVID thing is that, you know, we can't get together anymore, but it all ties back into <clears throat> having that vinyl or CD or cassette in your hand where you, you take the time to just kind of put it in and, uh, maybe not so much with CDs because, you know, it's a laser, but you know, with, with tapes or with, with vinyl, you know, you're, you're wearing it down. And, uh, you know, I think there's no, more profound and beautiful way of saying like this deserves to be listened to than you know again just the devastatingly beautiful way that it just decays after each listen so sure sure absolutely and i mean that's that's my attraction to it um but yeah man i i really appreciate you taking the time out tonight to talk and um i hope some people got some insight for the record it's going to be dropping when this posts It'll be dropping in just a couple of days, so they're going to get to hear everything that we're talking about, everything that we're excited about, and um, and yeah, man. I have a question for you though, before we go, I got a question for you. Oh man, you're going to flip the script on me, okay? I have to. Let's do uh, it. Let's do it. Let's flip it. Well, 
So, you know, what what were your top three favorite songs off of Fury by Failure? I know you said uh, The Willing Martyr was likely one of them. So my favorite songs, if I had to, if I had to pick three, um, The Willing Martyr, mm-hmm. uh, 1018, and uh, Dissonance, the the final track. Um, I just thought that, I, I really thought that Dissonance really tied the record together in a nice little bow. And um, it's definitely the track that I've listened to the most uh, since I've had the opportunity to listen to it. And um, I really, um, I really dug the lyrics on the record. I'm sorry, on that song specifically. And um, my favorite lyrics, if, if, if I'm allowed to, to repeat them, uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned in the, in the, uh, in the episode, uh, the final stanza, which is even as time wears thin and my vision dims, I'll seek the evidence. I can't hear your words, but I still believe them. Um, I think that really ends the record off with the, kind of this feeling of hope of, you know, kind of like giving a benefit of the doubt and, and opening yourself up to a hopeful kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and if I could, if I can use this a, as a comparison, uh, one of my favorite records of all is, uh, depravity by a plea for purging. And, yeah. at, the, and at the end of that record, you know, he's talking about, um, he's talking about his, his spiritual relationship and, and all that. And he says at the end, like, I don't know if I can ever find my way back. Um, mm-hmm. which is a very negative, uh, very dark ending of the record for a very dark record, you know? Um, yeah. but I, I felt like with it, with this one in particular, I, I don't know, ending it, ending it off, uh, with those lyrics of, you know, just, I can't hear your words, but I still believe them Le- leaves kind of this, this kind of open note of hope. And, um, I don't know, man, it just really ties it all together and, and definitely, um, made me feel hopeful. I'm not like the most positive guy in the world. So, you know, it definitely had, had that effect on me and is, is, is really what, you know, inspired me to kind of, kind of dig deeper into some of the other lyrics. So I'm, I'm, I'm really a fan in that regard. I like the, I like in the lyrics, the balance of pain as well as hope. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, it, it affected me and there's not a whole lot of stuff that I listen to these days. I listen to a lot of metal, listen to a lot of hardcore, <laughs> and it's not always like the most hopeful stuff in the world. Right. And, but I feel like I feel like the super dark, super angry stuff um, kind of feeds into kind of that mindset, and so it's it's kind of nice to hear something a little bit more refreshing. I describe the record as fresh, and uh, that's lyrically as well as musically, and kind of kind of gives me a little bit of a glimmer of hope. And so, in that regard, I, I think. I, I think that's probably it's my second favorite song because it's not as it's not as heavy as the Willie Martyr, and mm-hmm. uh, I always got to go over the heavies at. <laughs> so that's just that's just where we're at. But yeah, those are my those are my three favorite songs. Um, awesome, like, like well, for sure. Well, you know, and and here oh, this is the last interesting tidbit that I'll give you about that song uh, for Dissonance, where um, you know, not uh, nothing in that song repeats except for the chorus, and. Um, you know, so the, 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 there's two different, like heavier verses. And the first one, um, is representative of kind of like my style in terms of what I like when it comes to heavy music. And then the next verse is more representative of the style of heavy music that Grayson likes. And 
you know, that's kind of also another fun fact and how it kind of for, for us, like as the dudes that kind of, you know, wrote the song kind of ties it all up together also. And, uh, that, that song's very special to us for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, uh, but I, I thought that that would be kind of like a cool thing to, to kind of share with, with, with you. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. And I appreciate it. But yeah, Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time out tonight, man. This was awesome. And, uh, you know, like I said, with this post, uh, the record will not be far off. Um, hopefully, yeah. hopefully just a couple of days. So, um, I hope everybody listens to it and checks it out. Joe is not giving me any money to, to say that. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I listened to the record. I dug it. I dug it. And, uh, I think you guys are going to find a lot to like out of it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>